So from our first reading, water quenches a flaming fire and almsgiving atones for sin. Now how on earth can that be? Almsgiving, that is, those acts of generosity, of mercy to the poor and the needy, how can this atone for sin? You say, I thought the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ atoned for the sins of all the world. And you're right. That statement is profoundly true, and nothing can replace what Jesus did for us. Isn't that right? And what I'd say is almsgiving does not seek to displace what Jesus did. It seeks to mirror what Jesus did. It mirrors the love, the mercy of Jesus Christ crucified. Theologian Gary Anderson puts it this way. What almsgiving does is it mirrors at the human level what God has done for us in Christ at the divine level. He says, both actions are about showing mercy to the destitute, our mercy to others in their poverty, and God's mercy to us in our sins. Material poverty on the one hand and moral and spiritual poverty on the other hand. And so almsgiving is mirroring on the material plane what God did for us when Jesus stretched out his hands. The scriptures speak of almsgiving as a form of prayer. The book of Acts, when Cornelius, remember him, the Roman centurion? An angel appears to him, tells him to send for St. Peter, because Peter is supposed to come to him and explain what Jesus did for us. And the angel says to Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Did you catch that image? His prayer rising as a memorial before God. Now we get that, right? But he says also, your almsgiving rises as a memorial, and it's interceding on your behalf, Cornelius in the presence of God right now. That almsgiving is prayer expressed in deeds. And those deeds arise to heaven, beseeching God to act on our behalf. 
to repair the harm, the wound that my sins have inflicted on me. That's a big job. And to repair the wounds that my sins have inflicted on others that I've hurt. And to repair the damage that my sin has done to my relationship with God. Those alms ascend beseeching the Lord to atone. United to the cross of Jesus Christ, they atone. So what's the lesson? The way we use our resources can be powerful. The way we use our resources can do enormous good, not just on the material plane, but also on the spiritual plane. So here I need to tell you a story. When I was in religious life years ago, I went on a mission trip to two countries in Africa. And the one country that we visited, our mission team leader took me and a another of our team members to visit one of the families involved in the mission. I was startled when we arrived at their home because the house was made from clay. It was round and it had thatch or straw as its roof. It was small, maybe a quarter the size of our worship space. So if you look over here and you see this section, maybe about that big. And when we went inside, there were no interior walls. Instead, curtains were hanging to partition off one space from another. And what's that tell you? There was no privacy to speak of in this home. Our host, the husband, greeted us at the door. Huge smile on the man's face when we arrived. He led us into the living room. And then he spoke to his wife in their native tongue. And his wife, off she went, she left the house on some errand or another. We didn't know what that was about. We sat down with her husband in the living room and began to talk. In the middle of our conversation, the wife returned with a bag in her hand. And she disappeared behind the curtains. After a few moments, into the living room she came, bearing refreshments that she had just purchased. You know what those refreshments were? 
soda pop and potato chips. For these three religious brothers from the United States, these poor religious who had given all their life to the service of Jesus Christ, this family had to do something. They felt honored to have us. And so out to the store she goes, comes home, and places soda pop and potato chips on the table in front of us, knowing these American boys would love it. All of a sudden, the countenance of our team leader fell. And then he said, oh, thank you very much. But me and my teammates, we won't be eating or drinking today. Now I looked at him. He says, doesn't he get it? This is hospitality. Even if you're not hungry, you nibble, right? I thought it was rude. But he resisted. And then our host insisted. Our host said, you are a guest in my home. You must eat and enjoy. And this man, radiant with joy, it was so beautiful. But still, our team leader, team leader he resisted while our host insisted and back and forth and back and forth this went. And then finally, it was my turn to be embarrassed again for my group because our team leader was forced to reveal why he was resisting. He asked this question, may I ask, he, say, he said, how much this cost you? Now that wouldn't fly at your house, would it? Here you are showing hospitality and someone says, what did you pay for this? But more shocking still was the answer. That soda pop and those potato chips cost this man and his family one-third of his wages for the month. Now at that point, I lost my appetite. All of us joined our team leader and began to resist the host declining the hospitality. He had kids little ones running around, and he just spent a third of his wages for the month so we could enjoy potato chips? I said, no way. But our host would hear none of it. I remember him. He broke out into the broadest grin. He lifted his finger to the sky, and he said, Jesus! will take care of me and my family. Don't you worry about me. Jesus 
radiant with joy. I wish I could capture in words what I saw in his face. Jesus will take care of me and my family. What do you say then? I went on to eat the most expensive potato chips I've ever had in my life. You see, this man and his wife, because we were religious brothers, when they looked at us, they saw the poor of Jesus Christ. This man living in a hut made of clay. This man with straw for his roof. This man with curtains for the walls in his house. This man makes a profound act of generosity to those he looks on as the poor. I was humbled. And if I'm honest, I would say I was embarrassed. I realized I was in the presence of a man of great stature. And he was a better man than me. He was richer than me. I would come from the United States, the most affluent country in the world. And I encountered a man richer than me because I saw in him the riches of faith, a faith I did not have. And it spoke to me. Here I am in Africa, the missionary who's come believing he had so much to give. And in this clay hut, this man gave more to me than I gave to anybody while I was there. I was enriched by his faith, enriched by his love, and this radiant joy. And when I think back, on what had happened, I see in his extraordinary kindness, I see his deeds ascending to God as a prayer. I see it rising to the throne of God and beseeching God for mercy. And it makes me wonder, what a multitude of sins were atoned for on that day by potato chips and soda pop that it cost him a third of his wages for the month. And one last thing. Whenever I think of this, 
I see Jesus. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mirrored in the love of my friend in Malawi. Mirrored in his kindness, his generosity, his sacrifice of his goods for these poor ones. This man living in the clay house, this man with straw for his roof, this man with curtains for walls, in his kindness I see Jesus. This is the power of almsgiving, my friends. This is what can happen if we learn from the Holy Spirit how to use the resources he's placed at our disposal. And those resources do not need to be many. My friend in Africa taught me all you have to have is a little. And the little you have can ascend to the throne of God as prayer. And God alone knows how many sins might be atoned for when we do this.